Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Very happy new year to all of you. My name's Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory, where myself, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane all get together to talk about last week's game, look ahead to next week's opponent. And there isn't an opponent next week. It is a playoff bye week, and the Chiefs will not be playing uh, next week. We don't know who the Chiefs will be playing at Arrowhead here in a couple weeks. And uh, that's a good thing because the Chiefs have a little bit of time to rest up, uh, get healthy, and bring someone into Arrowhead to make a run at a Super Bowl. Two playoff games at Arrowhead away from going to the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the opponent when we find out next week. But we're going to talk a little bit this week about the Raiders game, about uh, the defensive improvements, a couple of guys that weren't expected to have a big role uh, on this team uh, beginning of the year and now are thrust into a position where they're getting some playing time. We'll talk about both those things with Matt and Craig. And we'll also do a mailbag as we do every single week. But wanted to talk a little bit about Patrick Mahomes. 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. This is my first time to really talk about this. I uh, wasn't on the on the pre- and post-game show on 610 this week. I was actually out in Ohio. I was watching the game from Mount Vernon, Ohio to Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, the only TV I had to watch was like straight above my head, so my I was I was looking up. I got a very sharp angle to actually watch the game, but still, I, I still got to see it. Um, it wasn't a, like a clean performance from Patrick Mahomes by any stretch of the word. There was some struggles there. Um, I thought, you know, a couple balls got away from him, a um, couple inconsistencies with ball placement, a couple bad decisions. Um, but overall, I mean, he still went out and, and did some things that were, were exceptional. And we continue to see him do stuff on third downs. And that's kind of one thing I just wanted to bring up real quick. You know, he's had some rough performances. Things have not gone as planned consistently across the board. You know, basically since Kareem Hunt left. I mean, they've they've kind of been disheveled a little bit at times with this offense, trying to find a solid number two receiver. That's why Kelvin Benjamin's even on the roster. Um, And so they've got some issues here that they're trying to sort through. And it hasn't always been pretty. And Pat hasn't always been, you know, perfect. Uh, It hasn't been a well-oiled machine as it has been in the past. But I think what you're seeing from the kid is is even you know if he has a couple rough plays on a first and second down and maybe they're in a third and long he's rising to the occasion and he's and he's he's moving the chains he's extending drives and that's something that I think that is really important to this team moving forward and you know regardless of if everything's perfect in the playoffs I think you've seen that Mahomes has been able to keep teams in games and keeps the, keep the chains moving, bail himself out and bail his team out with some excellent individual performances out of structure, in structure. He's done some really great work on third downs, and that's such an important sign of growth from a young quarterback that you're seeing. And uh, I, I think that's something that should make you feel confident as these games get tighter is you know, his ability to, to work on third downs um, and that's and that's going to be critical here in the playoffs, whoever they play, whether it's you know Baltimore or L.A. or Indy. He's got to continue to do that for this team to have a chance. Um, the, the pressure's on him. It's going to be on him to go out and, and carry this team and fight off some demons. There's going to be nervous energy uh, in Arrowhead, the first game that they play. Everybody, you know, that's going to be something that the team is going to have to overcome because it's just a, a, a very natural nervous energy that's been a part of this franchise for so long. Um, 
we'll we'll talk a little bit this week on Arrowhead Pride about the two touchdown passes that he had. Uh, sounds like the Demarcus Robinson touchdown that got him to 50 was actually uh, a play in which Robinson ran the wrong route. Uh, he's actually supposed to run a, a deep curl, and uh, instead. Uh, he beat his defender so cleanly that he raised his hand up and, and went for went for gold, and Mahomes found him. Um, we'll be talking about that. I think we're going to actually do a video breakdown of that this week, uh, and then we'll write about it later this week as well. Going to bring Matt on here in a second. We're going to talk about a couple guys that um, have have exceeded expectations and, and have been put in positions that you know they have to contribute. And uh, we'll talk about those two guys and more. Then we'll get with Craig, and then we'll do a mailbag. And we are joined by Matthew Lane. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year, Ken. I got there a year before you, so I'm now your elder. And I feel like I should be in control of this thing going forward. Oh, no. This, the, 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 we, you would never get an episode out because you would still be getting every thought out of your head. And so, like, you would still be recording, like, probably by like the end of Pat's career and you'd finally launch an episode and it would just be like this daunting six year. We would just have like a six year straight live show that would just be me talking college football and draft prospects year by year. So I think everybody would enjoy that. I, I, I wouldn't, but that's (laughs) just me. (laughs) Um, Okay. Matt, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of tease uh, kind of a mini series you're going to do leading up to the Chiefs' first playoff game against Mystery Team. Um, just what what do you got cooking for the next couple weeks? Yeah, so instead of just breaking down a position or a single player or anything like that from the Raiders game, we're just going to start going right in. Down the stretch here, the Chiefs have kind of had a lot of roster changes and not just to depth or even just injuries pushing other guys up there, but they have a host full of kind of young unsuspecting guys especially leading into the season that are going to have to take on major roles so what i'm going to do here leading up to our first playoff game or at least before the advanced scout before that where we look at how the offense is going to win we're just going to break down some guys like Javarius ward jordan lucas and damian williams and just look at what they're doing well what they need to get a little bit better at if the chiefs are going to continue to have success in the playoffs with these kind of three guys that were second third four stringers coming into the season that are now going to be forced to be starters or at least impactful rotational players in the playoffs and we just kind of look at what they're doing good what they need to get better at how they're going to help the Chiefs because I think they're kind of guys that people are intrigued by but don't know a lot about or everything about just yet no I I think that's a great idea and it is guys that you know probably deserve to be put onto the spotlight a little bit because you're right they're gonna probably have to lean on these guys um and actually I'm just gonna ask a question from you know the mailbag now to you about Charvarius Ward just to kind of kick things off um at Winston Terrell asks thoughts on the bounce back from Charvarius Ward and do you think Andy set a message by playing him again so I don't know what happened with Skandrick, um, but something he fell out of favor with Andy Reid or Bob Sutton or whoever's making these decisions on defense because it sounds like Ward was the man lead the whole week leading up to the Seahawks game. And immediately after the game, it was kind of mentioned that he's going to be the guy starting against the Raiders. So he's the guy going forward that's playing as the third corner. He's going to be on the outside. And he had a better game against Oakland for sure. He didn't get beat badly. He made a couple really nice pass breakups. He was able to find the ball. The same issue's still there with him, though. He's a little limited. He's changed directions kind of, it's very labored right now. So when they have him play off coverage or try to mere tech somebody off of the line of scrimmage, it's just not the most clean looking performance by him. And he just looks a lot better when he's allowed to press, play up on the line of scrimmage squeeze a receiver on the sideline you see a lot of good plays with him like that so he's gonna improve he's like he's definitely gonna get better and he's been intriguing but I think I've seen some people already calling for him to be like a star and I just caught put some caution out there this is the same thing we had with Philip Gaines with Marcus Cooper he's very good playing one particular way he's made some nice plays doing it but let's let him grow into being a good player before we start saying that he's a star at this point in time yeah, no, I think he's got some value and some like intriguing ability, specifically as a press guy. But yeah, there's still like, I mean, if you if you didn't watch him in off coverage, you know, you you probably need to before you start saying anything like he's a star. So no, uh, I absolutely. totally agree with that. Yeah, it's the biggest thing is even more than just off coverage in general and having to change directions. 
I think his kind of closing speed isn't that great right now. So when they were having him play these 10 yards off, there was, I think, one good play, and it was might have been a fourth down play where he came down and made a tackle short of the sticks. But outside that, if he has to backpedal at all and then change his directions to come forward, it's just it's much slower than it needs to be at this point in time. And that's fine right. if he's going to be a press corner. But if you're going to be kind of this number one main corner guy, you got to be a little bit better at that. And he might still improve. He's young. He's really young. He's still figuring it out. Everybody knows that. Just he's getting better, but let him grow into it. Don't try to anoint him as this next great thing before he's ready. That's all I'm asking from Chiefs fans because we've gone down that road way too many times recently. Right. And one other thing is I think he is uh, he's willing in the run game. Like that's one thing that I, I do like about him. And you even watch him like on special teams. Like he's actually willing to hit. I think that's one thing that he does have value in, correct? Yeah, he does, and I think that's kind of a thing with all the Chiefs corners, though. I, I mean, who was the last corner? I know everyone's going to say Marcus Peters, but at least even his rookie year, he was willing to throw a shoulder into somebody. He kind of backed off that, but Steven Nelson, Kendall Fuller, even Orlando Scandrick, these are all guys that have been willing to go up and hit somebody as a corner, so that's something the Chiefs definitely value there. But Ward being a little bit bigger, a little bit longer, right. he's – packs a little bit more punch in his tackling ability and he's not just mm-hmm. trying to dive at ankles like some of these other guys so yeah that's good right no for sure uh matt we'll bring you back on in a minute and uh to have the mailbag but i'm gonna talk to craig real quick well it's a new year and now it's time to talk to father time himself find him on twitter at barley hop what's up craig What's going on, baby New Year? How you been? <laughs> oh, well done. Uh, that is that's a very quick response there. Good job, buddy. Um, okay, so this is probably the best of times to be speaking to you. Uh, the defense finally did something. Yeah, they did. They did really good things. I mean, yes, it was the Raiders. The Raiders are a bad football team. I, I've been saying it forever. I said it before the first matchup, but you know, four weeks ago, this same Raiders team came in and made a close game when there shouldn't have been one, and the defense was awful. It was their worst performance of the year. This was by far their best performance of the year. Turned the ball over the first four possessions. They looked good. They brought pressure early when it was still a one-score game. It really was a good overall performance from the defense this week. I just remember how depressed you were after the first Raiders game. Like, and it was like just like a mixture of anger and depression, and and like just you felt like giving up. Like it, yeah, the, it, the the contrast is just spectacular. Yeah, that's that's the one that really got to me. Like I, I knew they were bad. You know, I I yeah. really kind of given up hope that they were going to be a great defense or even really a good defense this year. Well before that Raiders game, but that's the one that broke me because the Raiders are awful and Bob Sutton knows how to beat them. So I don't. I just don't know why they played the way that they did the first time but whatever it is you know ron Bob, parker ron, yeah, I, i'm not ron even gonna parker. blame ron only on that one no. everybody was abysmal in that game blame so, just blame yeah. ron. just do it yeah. it feels good it just broke me that game broke me but, yeah <laughs> well it's it's a it's a different uh it's a different day buddy different year now too uh i wanted to ask a mailbag question because it kind of just aligns with what i want to talk about anyway uh at devin travis 29 what was the difference with the defense this week? Uh, was our defense that good or the Raiders that bad? Uh, the, the defense was much better than we've seen them this year. They executed. They tackled better. There were far less blown coverages. They went out with a specific purpose to take away Jared Cook, which is what they would, should have done the first time, and they didn't. They kind of stuck Eric Murray out there on his own against him, and he got beat up badly. This week... They helped. They chipped Jared Cook a lot with D Ford, with Justin Houston. They they put Dan Sorensen on him. They put Kendall Fuller on him. Some plays. They really did a good job of taking him away, and so that takes away Derek Carr's security blanket. And then after that, they just kind of 
kept everything in front of him and, you know, made Derek Carr throw short all game long. He got the ball out in 1.84 seconds on average this week. That's ludicrously Ooh. fast. They, they weren't going to get home with the pass rush as it was because Derek Carr just throwing it immediately after he touches it. So you just have these guys that were playing off, playing downhill, and, you know, making – these passes go for two and three yard gains and setting them up into third and longs where Derek Carr has to hold the ball longer and you can get stops. So I just think that the the overall game plan was better. And then on top of that, they had a little more energy. They had a little more fire. <clears throat> Jordan Lucas, <clears throat> he's, it, it just really, it, it changed the dynamic of everything. Everybody seemed like they wanted to be there. They wanted to play. They wanted to put it on the Raiders and the game plan was good for them to be able to do that. Car getting the ball out in 1.84 seconds. That's how many seconds per yard Reggie Ragland was covering on that touchdown return, I think, right? Hey, I mean, hey, let's not. Everybody wants to make fun of Reggie because he got caught by Colton Miller, who's a very athletic offensive tackle. But my goodness, what a read by Reggie on that play. That was a fantastic job robbing that route underneath and taking that ball away. Great job by Reggie. Nobody would have expected that Reggie Raglan was going to walk out with an interception and not just an interception a big long return after one too that was fun it was really fun and it was kind of like it was almost like watching like a walk-on on the end of the bench of a basketball game score a three-pointer like it was just like <laughs> yeah a little bit a little bit with the year he's had he hadn't been particularly good so so for him to play that way, for Hitchens to play well as well, and then this inconceivable pass that Derek Carr threw to Jared Cook, who wasn't looking when Dan Sorensen was just standing there, that that was fantastic as well. They just had everything kind of go right this week. And, and yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily mean anything for the future, but they needed a confidence builder. They needed a game like this to kind of feel like they were putting some things together so that they can work on other things and try you know just be better overall get yourself in the right headspace reggie ruined my uh my fat guy touchdown tweet that i had cooked up so uh, i'm still were you able to write that entire tweet while he was returning the ball uh i had it like i was just about to press press send like he was on the 20 i was waiting and then he got he got hawked, but uh, you know, yeah. can't win them all, right? Um, hey. We're gonna let's just let's jump in and do a little mailbag here. How about that? The whole squad's back together. Uh, we'll jump into the mailbag here in a second. But uh, if you haven't, if you don't follow us on Twitter, you may not have seen little announcement. The entire Arrowhead Pride Nerd Squad and Jake Stack who did the draft podcast with me last year. We are all going to the Senior Bowl uh, in a couple weeks here. Super excited. Uh, all of us are going to be there. It's going to be great. We're going to be credentialed media, the whole works. We're going to try to get some interviews from players about the Chiefs. Uh, Maddie, who are you most excited to see at the uh, Senior Bowl here in, uh, in a few weeks? Oh, man, you're throwing a curveball at me. The one guy, I've been uh, big on the Josh Allen hype train since the beginning of the year. I mean, we have no chance to get him here in Kansas City, but just watching him this year as a prospect kind of go from intriguing raw athlete to almost the top 10 guaranteed picks has been amazing. So if you get a chance to talk to him a little bit and just see if he's going to show up. I mean, the fact that he played for Kentucky when he didn't need to at all to help his draft stock makes me think that he might show up to the Senior Bowl at least just to be there for a couple days. So I'm hoping he's there, get to see him a little bit. It's just nice to see somebody that you kind of called out early in the year really turn it on throughout the whole season and become this high, highly touted prospect. Craig? Uh, for me, it's John Gruden. I want to go over and I want to shake his <laughs> hand and let him know that I really appreciate that he's going to ruin the AFC West for the Raiders. He's got Mike Mayock now. They're drafting decade. great. Uh, ugh. Ugh. No, mine's That's probably be so uh, weird. Mine's probably DeAndre Walker. I I don't know that he'll Shocked. actually play. I I I love this kid. I really do love this kid. I I've been high on him since since I turned him on this year. Um, but he's got a groin injury. They they held him out of the bowl game. That's going on right now. Oh, did he get taller? Recording. What's that? Did he get taller? Did he get taller? No. <laughs> oh, I thought he had a growing injury. I was just just no. No, he he's got a little groin, man. He's got a little groin. So anyway, uh, we'll see. DeAndre if he's there. Baker has a little groin. 
I hope. That was my that was I my Romeo impression. Yeah. So yeah, all right. Gone off the uh, Nasir Adderley's my guy. I want to see him. I he's he might wind up in my son status. I just that guy is so fun to watch. I can't wait to see him. Um, and we'll just we're, we're going to be there, kind of on working on some other stuff for that Senior Bowl week. Uh, maybe have some announcements, you know, here in, in the future. Uh, but you know, keeping a looking on, keep a lookout for that stuff. Really excited about it. it's going to be a good time. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, at Keith McLean asks, Mahomes said we woke up regarding their output versus the Raiders. Is that statement troubling uh, that they need to kind of wake up at this point, or is it a positive as we head into the playoffs? It's it's kind of both. I think. Like, I mean, yeah, it's great that they, you know, maybe the switch came, you know, turned on. And, and all that stuff. Like, that's great. Um, but why did it take 17 weeks, specifically on the defensive side of the football, for this team to wake up? I mean, the effort level is very up and down for this football team, specifically some very highly paid guys. And it took this long for the, the switch to kind of flip for some of these guys? Like, you had 17 weeks. It's not necessarily about, yeah, if they, if they play hard these next three weeks – and they win the Super Bowl, that's awesome. But you wasted 16 weeks to get better by doing this if, 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 if it took you this long to wake up. Sorry, I digress. No, you're Go, good. Matthew. Uh, I think the thing is it's the old kind of Pete Carroll thing, and Bill Belichick's kind of said the same thing too. It doesn't matter how you're playing for those first 16 weeks. If you're playing your best football going into the playoffs, that's what matters. Like, Pete Carroll's been very open. Like, their whole plan is to peak the last fourth of the year. Not that the Chiefs did that, but, like, that's his plan is to peak. His football team can be terrible. As long as they do enough to get into the playoffs and are playing their best ball going into the playoffs, he thinks he did his job. Like, they executed their plan going into the season. So if that's somehow the case, it's a good thing. But I almost think it's just kind of not coach speak. It's just player speak from Mahomes. I don't see what the offense did to be woken up in this game. I don't think the offense played particularly great. So unless he's just kind of saying as a team, they were out there with a little bit more energy. And in that case, I do agree. The defense, especially even some players in offense seem like they were bringing a little bit more energy to the game. But as far as just like playing better, yeah, the defense did. But the offense, I mean, they hit some long shots. Those long shots are always going to be there. And it's something that we've seen with the Chiefs this year. They're not consistent. If that's what you're relying on to be the you know good part of the offense that decided to show up all of a sudden, I don't think you're going to consistently get two 60-yard touchdowns on just these long plays like that. So I'm not sure I agreed thinking that he's thinking much into it. What he was saying, he was just speaking from a player perspective that's hyped up that they're getting the first seed. They have a bye week now. They beat a division rival badly. He's just kind of speaking on a high note. Yeah, that's that's definitely what it is. We all watched the Seattle game. They were lethargic. They they came out kind of sleepwalking. And then the second half of the Chargers game, they were also sleepwalking. They weren't they didn't execute. They didn't play particularly well. They just didn't kind of have their heart in for the last game and a half. And they definitely did have their heart in it for for this game. You know, even though the offensive ex- execution was a little bit iffy, they they were definitely playing with a completely different energy than they had for the last game and a half that is something that's positive that we can take away from that we'd seen some of that earlier this year if they get that consistently in the playoffs that that's something that can be a a big benefit what if it was just freudian and when when mahomes said we he actually just meant the defense like Ugh. that would be kind of funny if it was like shade without even meaning it to be Maybe shade he uh, that bob sutton actually woke up from his nap Oh, maybe. No, no, no. Maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> At AC Rocker, can you summarize what Bob Sutton was doing with Anthony Hitchens this week? Because he was everywhere and looked fantastic. Really looked like the guy Veach intended to sign this past offseason. I think this week that they changed uh, some of the keys up a little bit. I, I think that the defensive line wasn't being asked to do as much as they have in previous weeks. They weren't asking guys to try and you know go across the entire face of a player and, and get to a gap that they're they really probably were better suited not to try and do. You know, they, I think they simplified things up front a little bit. That, that kind of goes with what Kent just said on the previous ones. Why did it take to week 17 to 
to do that when they were playing so poorly. But I didn't notice as much of what they have been doing with their defensive line this week. It's part of the reason why Chris Jones wasn't as effective. They were having to double-team him, and they weren't using him in the same way. But it did have a ripple effect back there. Anthony Hitchens didn't start great in this game. He had a couple of misses early, but you can definitely tell that because offensive linemen weren't able to free climb up to him all game long. He was playing without hesitation. He was playing a lot more downhill. And then you get towards the end of the game and he's pursuing to the sideline and knocking a running back, you know, five yards out of bounds in the air. You know, he played like a guy who was free again and was free to go and hit and play physical. And I just think that it was a combination of simplifying the fronts, simplifying his keys, and getting him some confidence going into the last week of the season. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing that you're going to see when you go back and watch this game is that, like Craig said, they had the defensive line play not necessarily straightforward, but more straightforward. They weren't trying to get to gaps they were far away from. It kind of seems like throughout the year the defensive line was asked to do not necessarily elaborate, but just like these high skill level techniques to cross a player's face or to work in between a gap and then cut across. And then we were relying on the linebackers behind that to read how successful they were and then kind of fill in off that. So these linebackers kind of had to play a little passively anyway. So this game with the defensive line playing more to the gap that they're lined up over, you got linebackers that already have a pretty good idea where they're supposed to be going. And when you give a guy like Reggie Ragland and a guy like Anthony Hitchens a pretty much like a one gap to, to attack, they're great at it. And that's kind of seemed what we got a little bit more. There were some plays where Hitchens even worked down the line of scrimmage and filled the gap farther down, but you could see he was taking steps forward off the snap rather than kind of standing still and waiting, trying to figure out what he was supposed to be doing. So maybe he just had more energy being the level of importance of the game, but it really looked like what he was seeing to him made more sense and it was just coming a little bit easier to him. And it really looked like they were just making it a lot simpler for him, taking him back to the days in Dallas where he was just kind of given one spot to go to, go attack that spot as fast as you can. And he was pretty good at that. So it seemed like they're getting closer back to that, which is good news for the Chiefs going forward if that's what's going to work for him. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Like it it was it was like a watching a different person play. Like honestly, like as far as just like it, just like the energy and the the level of confidence, it looked like something changed. I don't and maybe you're right. Maybe it was just they simplified some things for him and they let him fly around and and this is the byproduct of that. But he looked like a different person. It's almost like he learned like either got his 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 groove back or he remember how to play football, and it, it just finally make, came back to him. Somebody make that movie poster. Put Anthony Hitchens' <laughs> face on a Stella yeah. Goddard groove back movie poster yeah. for us, please. How, how, Hitch got her groo- how Hitch got his groove back. Put yes. his face on I a just, llama body and then sponsored by Disney. <laughs> I just, I don't, like, you're, you're thinking Emperor's New Groove. Yes, I, I changed the movie reference. Anthony's new groove? Because I have a child, so therefore we watch <laughs> animated movies. The last time I watched a real movie, I can't remember. Oh, I watched Mowgli the other day on my own. That's the last time I watched a non-animated movie. Congrats. Thank you. That's wonderful. Uh, I Yeah, it, it, he was a different dude, man. Like, it, it's so cool. Like, I, I don't know what it was, but he looked like a completely different cat. Okay, Brandon... At Brandon422 asks, let's talk next year's contracts. What do Chiefs do the Chiefs do with Spencer Ware, D Ford, Justin Houston, Chris Conley, Tyreek Hill, jo- Chris Jones, Eric Berry, Reggie Ragland? We are not going to explain all these. I'm we're gonna do a lightning round. So I'm gonna ask each of you one word answers on all of these guys. Start with Matt, then Craig. Spencer Ware. Bye-bye. See ya. Cut. Or released, or no? Wait, he he's not on contract. He's not under contract. I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm One rooting my answer, rule. Kent. Yeah. Not not resign. D Ford. Show D the money. Tag him. Tag him. Justin Houston. Um, ask for restructure, and if he doesn't, leave him gone. Trade him if you can, but if you can't, gone. Agreed. Chris Conley. So gone. Gone. Bye, Felicia. Tyreek Hill. Uh, extend. Yeah, pay pay the man. Extend. Christopher Jones. Try to extend if he'll take a good deal, but if not, wait it out one more year. 
Yeah, exactly that. Yep. Eric Barry. Pray he retires. That, yeah, retire, please. <laughs> retire. Reginald H. Ragland. Oh, it pains me to say it, but he's got to go. We got to get some O'Daniel snaps. Uh, keep just because he's cheap. Fair. Well, I, I, it's kind of inappropriate that he's in a lightning round because Stop. whatever hey, he was doing hey. on that run was. <laughs> hey, he not outran lightning. Justin Houston by a good two tenths of a second. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, at Triple Rinse One asks Jeff Allen versus Cam Irving. Is Allen actually better? No. Um, the fact I think this is a weird <laughs> question. I don't know what's kind of sparking this rejuvenation thing for Jeff Allen. Jeff Allen was a problem. Like, he was a major problem of the Houston Texans offensive line the last couple of years, and that has been one of the worst lines in the football. He didn't all of a sudden get better again when he was slapped in the Chiefs offensive line. They have just simplified a ton of what they're asking him to do. He gets a lot of help from Mitch Morse and Eric Fisher. When he's run blocking, he's blocking straight ahead. Like, they rarely even have him take a bucket step on these zone reads. He's pretty much just attacking a guy right ahead of him. It's so simple what he's being asked to do, and he's pretty good if you have him work in a straight line. He's got good power. If you have a guy try to bull rush him, he's going to reset his feet, and he's going to anchor, but he's not going to get out in space. He's not going to do half the stuff that Cam Irving can do. So there's like 10% of his game that he does better than Cam Irving, and he does it really well, but it's just not it's not up to par with what Cam Irving brings to the whole offense. It's kind of like going back to last year when you have Zach Fulton versus Mitch Morse. Like, in this very limited role, Fulton was better than Mitch Morse, but when you expand out to everything that Morse was, is and was better at, it's not even close, and that's kind of how I feel about Jeff Allen versus Cam Irving. Now, Irving has to stop the stupid penalties because those are getting really old, and I think that's probably a big part of the reason why he was benched because he's had a lot of just, just silly penalties or brain farts, which have always plagued his career, and Jeff Allen's a little safer in that regard, a little being the emphasis. But as far as players, Cam Irving has definitely been better this year for the Chiefs. Yeah, and Cam Irving is more of an Andy Reid lineman, an athletic guy, a guy that they can work into space a lot better than Jeff Allen. So yeah, like Matt said, you you just don't have the same sort of dynamic nature that you do with Cam Irving out there. You can't do some of the same things. And maybe they're not trying maybe they don't want to do some of those same things with pulling guards and trying to get got you know, trying to work the offensive line into space a little more. Maybe they're fine with going with a little more power game. But yeah, the it definitely is weird that with Cam Irving back and healthy that that Jeff Allen has been the guy that's gotten the nod unless maybe Cam Irving is just not 100% yet and they're sitting him out until they get to the playoffs. Yeah, that's what was so interesting is like, you know, Andy says, you know, we got a good thing going with Jeff and I mean, that was debatable. I mean, you know, I don't, don't want to speak cuz there's a lot of, you know, communication is critical on that and that line and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I don't know. It, it Who's one of the first guys sense. to stand up for a Chiefs offensive player or cheering guys on the sideline? Like the very first play, big offensive play, Cam Irvin was going nuts on the sideline. He's not even yeah. out on the game. He's going nuts. Like, he seems like he's very tight with the whole offensive unit and the team as a whole. So I wouldn't imagine yeah. that it's like communication's kind of tricking the offensive line. Like you can definitely be liked by everybody and still not understand everything, but there doesn't seem to be massive mental lapses like from the whole offensive line when he was in there. So I don't imagine that he's just making the whole thing fall apart. That just doesn't line up with what you see on film either. So yeah, it was a weird decision from the get go. Yep. At Tamenda 79, what's with all the penalties in recent years? It's surprising to me since Andy Reid's such a good coach. I, I think that part of it is the play style that that they're working with here. Uh, they've got a lot of physical corners, and you know the way that the NFL has trended, physical corners aren't necessarily uh, a, a benefit. They're they're going to get more calls. They're going to not get the benefit of the doubt because they do tend to play more physical. And then on the offensive side, they've had to rotate in a lot of backups. They've had to rotate in a lot of guys on the offensive line that aren't, you know, getting the reps with the ones all year long. So snap counts, uh, holding penalties, things like that just kind of come with guys that don't have the same amount of experience. And then we also 
roster Demetrius Harris. Oh. So that's that's also a reason for a lot of penalties. I feel personally attacked for the Demetrius football slander <laughs> just, on this just podcast. For, just, just because he's, he's guaranteed for like, what, one and a half penalties a game? At least one of them's on special teams. He's going to block somebody in the back. Guaranteed. Uh, no. So here's the thing. I think there's certain parts of coaching that Andy Reid just simply does not think is that important. Clock management, time management, use of his timeouts and challenges. And I think you can put on there kind of like accountability for these penalties because there's certain things that Andy Reid like hammers down. Knowing your responsibilities in the screen game, Jeff Schwartz has talked about all over Twitter, like why the Chiefs are so great at the screen game. It's because Andy Reid goes through all these different parts of it over and over and over again, making sure everybody knows every single responsibility they have on the play. I have, there's no way I can believe that if a guy that's that detailed about a screen game can't get guys not to commit penalties if the effort's put in. It's just one of those things that, to Andy Reid, I think must not be the utmost importance. And that's fine. And every coach is going to have some stuff they don't have is up there. But it's not that Reid wants penalties. He just doesn't go. I don't think he goes out of his way to make sure the team is avoiding them at all costs. He'd rather have guys be a little more physical make sure their quarterback doesn't get hit and hold just little things like that rather than he's going to pound into the table not to commit a penalty over and over again. I mean, and that's all there is to it. And plus what Craig said, as far as the defensive backs go, they're smaller, feisty guys that like to be physical. When you're a smaller, not super athletic player against wide receivers that are bigger and more athletic than you, you don't really have much of a choice but to get grabby and just dare referees to throw it. And more often than not, they they have against the Chiefs because they kind of have that reputation. And I think about like the Jaguars game, like you know they got some chippy penalties and stuff like that. I don't think Andy Reid hated those. I actually think he kind of liked that, especially some you know some of the statements that were made after that game is you know we don't we're not going to let anybody push us around and stuff like that. I actually, I think in some situations like that, he doesn't hate them. And then, like, some of these penalty stats and stuff, like, they get dumb celebration penalties a lot, too. Like, it feels like they, they, they get more celebration penalties. <laughs> right. And, like, I don't think, you know, Andy Reid, one of his things he always talks about is, like, let your personality show. Like, that's one of the things he loves about, you know, the, he wants people to put their personalities into the offense, right? And, um, you know, it, some of that, you know, maybe that boils over into, you know, Tyreek Hill getting behind a camera on a record-breaking touchdown and stuff like that. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I, I tend to agree. Like, I don't think it's, like, high up on Andy's priority list. Uh, at Jim Reynolds asks, how did Kansas City manage to not get a defensive holding or defensive pass interference call this game? I kind of wanted to add this on top of that conversation, just kind of, you know, just take it another direction because there was a difference in that, in that regard. Well, this will be quick. They just didn't get him called on. They were plenty physical. Uh, Charverius Ward was beaten a couple times, and he grabbed and pulled on receivers. You can see it on the All-22. There were, there were opportunities to call them. The refs just kind of swallowed their flags this week. Yeah, Kent, this is why I need editing privileges back on the document. I needed to go first because my answer was funnier. Um, we didn't have any penalties called on us because we played 20 yards off of the receiver, so can't really get a penalty I, I, there. I, I was actually going to make a – similar joke i mean they they played more they did they craig you're the one that charts every single defensive snap and yeah the, uh, they, they only I mean, played, they played more man, off right yeah they only played press man 46 percent of their man coverage snaps this week that is their season low uh on the season they average right around 64 65 percent makes sense for so the raiders go. who are going to throw the ball sub five yards every play and you say that, and they gave up three points. So scheme doesn't align with what you expect, but I guess the outcome was good. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. At Corey O'Donnell asks, what are the chances that Brett Veach brings in one of the hot defensive minds, maybe Todd Bowles, as a defensive analyst consultant for the playoffs, and that would allow Bob to retire gracefully and already have the successor on staff? I know this is a very popular thing for Chiefs fans to want, but I just don't know if it's going to happen. If you do this, you're pretty much agreeing to that person becoming your defensive coordinator, which is, I mean, fine. I have no problems if they want to bring Bulls on to be a consultant and then become the defensive coordinator. But another coach isn't going to agree to that if they don't think that they're for sure getting that job because then they're missing out on interviews. They're, if they take this job, they're missing out on a chance to be hired before then. 
So they have to kind of be assured and believe that they're getting the job. So it's fine if they're going to go that route. I just don't know if I think that's going to be the f- forefront of Veach's or Andy Reid's mind at this point in time. Yeah, and that's such a weird dynamic. I don't know that a, a guy like Bowles, who who seems like a genuinely you know good dude, would want to come in and sort of undercut Bob in that situation. And maybe maybe he's more cutthroat than I think, but that seems like kind of a kind of a dick move. So I I don't know that that's a situation that Andy wants to do to his coaching staff because Andy is a guy that's supremely loyal to his coaches. Maybe he's gotten on the phone with Todd Bowles already and said, "Hey, you know, listen, listen, listen. You, yeah, listen, <laughs> listen. We're we're gonna call you here, you know. So, job's yours, <laughs> yeah, job's yours. But may, maybe that situation has already occurred. Maybe that conversation has occurred already. But I don't know that Todd Bowles coming in and you know trying to do some of the game planning stuff is actual stuff is gonna do you know have much of an effect for this defense because. In reality, unless you're just taking away all power from Bob Sutton, which Andy Reid probably isn't going to do and make him a lame duck defensive coordinator, then you're really just bringing in a guy to hang out. What if uh, what if Bob already decided to retire? Hmm. And then and 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 Bowles comes in like that might like if Bowles comes in as an analyst like. That might be like a indicator that you know maybe Bob's move. You know maybe Bob's moving on. You know, like just just thinking out loud. I'm just I'm spitballing. Oh, I think if somebody uh, comes in, the plan from whether it's Bob or Andy is they're moving on. It's just a matter of yeah. If they do that, like Craig said, you're kind of just like saying, hey, the defensive failures have been on Bob Sutton, and we're moving on from him. Like it's it's yeah. pretty much pointing a finger, and I don't think that's Andy Reid's style. I think they could probably position it pretty easily, though. But I get what you're saying at the same time. At right, Kenny with the Coke, our guy. Uh, Kent, how did it feel when Jamal Charles retweeted your Breeze shade? Yeah, I, I actually didn't notice that like for the longest time. Uh, and then he did. Like I, I was one of like I've been throwing a lot of. I, I, I don't want to call it shade. It's probably shade. Patrick Mahomes is a better MVP candidate. He is the MVP, and anyone who says he's not the MVP is just trying to get retweets. And I, I it's so absurd. Like there's, if you, there's a million ways to slice it, except for, you know, Pat, Drew Brees completes seventy four percent of his passes, but eighty percent of his throws are in the flats. Like let's let's move on here. This it's absurd. Patrick Mahomes is the clear cut MVP candidate, and it's not even close. So just stop with this Drew Brees nonsense. Great year, Drew Brees. Congrats. Threw 32 touchdowns. You threw less than... You threw one touchdown or less in like seven games this year. Like, this is... It's it's stupid. It's stupid. Pat Mahomes is your MVP. Don't disrespect Patrick Mahomes by putting Drew Brees' name in your mouth. Um. So, I'm just going to say, I'm disappointed <laughs> that uh, Jamal Charles hasn't retweeted my Drew Brees slander because I feel like I've been hitting the Drew Brees shade pretty hard for longer than Kent. So, the fact that his got retweeted by such a great chief actually <laughs> hurts me deep to the core because I feel like my Drew have Brees you been shade has been than a lot better than Kent's. I mean, let's Kent's got some fun puns and stuff like that, but... What? We've Hold on. <laughs> I've been I've been I've been on I've been on the the stats machines finding all kinds of good Drew Brees Patrick Look, Mahomes comparisons. Cares I don't know about what you... stats. It's all about the funny and Jamal Charles did. I have been hammering these since <laughs> the first Drew Brees primetime game where he laid an egg, then he lost to the Cowboys. He was just struggling up and down the field. I've been hitting all these. I had that he was benched for two quarterbacks this year at different times. But I get <laughs> nothing for any of this. And you're just over here. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to throw out a bunch of stats from box score scouting and whatnot. No, it's okay. It's okay. Mm. It, mm. it must be really nice to just be able to you know, spend your weeks because the offense is so awesome, just being able to <laughs> sit around and make fun of other quarterbacks instead of you know writing about how terrible your team is. Yeah, sorry, Greg. Yeah, it's it's a rough life, man. I tell you what, uh, real rough. Uh, Al Haig asks, "Do you believe that someone other than Bob was behind the Ward Scandrick and Lucas Parker decisions?" Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, let's get speculative. 
Yeah, so I I was kind of alerted by our buddy Kenny with the Coke today that there's a rumor kind of running around that Mike Smith uh, has kind of helped with some of the game planning and that Al Harris had as well. I just I just don't know that uh, that doesn't seem again. Uh, it could be the case. It could be the case. It's, it's definitely feasible. Um, I know that Andy took ownership of the Ward, Scandrick, Luca, Lucas, Parker situations right after the game, and then I'm not buying that. Yeah, and then three days later in a press conference, Andy said that all of those decisions are you know Bob and the defensive coaching staff. So I I, I think that that it is informed by the defensive coaching staff i do think that bob does have some input but i don't know that you can necessarily say that someone other than bob is that seems a little conspiracy theory not out of the question but a little bit conspiracy theory yeah my thing is if if nothing's changed from the year or throughout the year why has this change just now been made if no, if nothing different's happening, and I'm not saying it's Bob's making the calls or Mike Smith or Al Harris is now, just something is now different, and it changed before the Seattle game because all of a sudden you're getting young guys put in there for veterans, veterans specifically veterans that have been clearly struggling all year, and now all of a sudden at the end of the year these guys are pulled for some younger players. It's been painfully obvious, I think, to anyone that's watched the Chiefs that Jordan Lucas was one of the best, if not the best safety option most of the year. And he was on the bench or just playing special teams. He got to play a little bit, then got put back on the bench. And nobody really knew why. And then all of a sudden now, Ron Parker's not playing until garbage time of the Raiders game. And Jordan Lucas is out there starting. And you have Wards, who's out there being called the starter from the previous week going forward. So something changed. Whether it Reed showed up, whether Bob Sutton just like, okay, this isn't working. We need to change it up. Something's different. But I will say, too, it's not like Bob usually to play a bunch of young guys and that he usually sticks with his veterans. He likes his veterans. He sticks with them as long as he can. So all of a sudden now that you're having veterans getting pulled more often for some young guys, maybe there is somebody's getting a little bit more input than earlier in the season. It's just, it's too hard to tell until they come out and say something. And I don't think Andy will ever let you know what's going on behind the scenes there. Ever, ever. At Brandman underscore videos, do you think the Chiefs are saving Barry for the playoffs? Also, do you keep him or restructure or what? <laughs> I don't think they're saving him for the playoffs. I I think he 100% had the option to play or not to play, and I'm not saying that his heel wasn't hurting and he didn't feel like he could play. I just think it was absolutely up to him. He chose not to for whatever reason. Again, could be pain-related. Could be he wasn't motivated. I don't know what it is. He did not feel well enough mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever, to go out there and play against the Raiders. And I don't know how you have any faith that he's going to be ready to go in the playoffs. You hope for a guy that at one point in time was so deeply embedded in the football and the Chiefs that he's going to be ready for the playoffs. But you also would have thought a game that was one seed home playoff game or fifth seed play first round in the wild card round on the road would be enough to motivate them. So I just don't know at this point in time. And do we can't restructure them. There's no reason for him to do that. Don't even think you can cut them unless you cut them post June 1st. And even then it still costs a fair amount of money to get rid of them or you still owe him a fair amount of money. So he's a chief next year if he wants to play. If he wants to retire because he really doesn't care about football at all, I think that's probably the best for the Chiefs unless he's going to be 110% committed, which I just simply don't think he has been this year. No, I don't I don't think so either. I think that if if there was a plan for them to save him for the amount of time that they were, I mean, we've had this conversation all year long, they would have put him on IR. And they would have freed up that roster spot. Correct. They 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 already had Khalil McKenzie eating up a roster spot all year long. That's that's two guys, and you know you you've got other guys that have come and gone that you knew weren't going to play and weren't going to be on the field. So you're eating up valuable roster spots when you're already trying to house young guys, developmental guys you can't trust to make it on a practice squad. Eric Berry would have been on IR if they knew that he was going to be out this long. And Eric himself has admitted that he was the one that was holding himself out for some of this. I agree with Matt. I do think that he probably 
did have something that happened this week that kind of changed his mind about whether or not he could go in this game. And that I do think that it would have had to be something fairly significant, whether it be physical or mental or whatever the case may be, because it's the Raiders. I mean, he's a chief. It's the Raiders. It's a meaningful game. That defense huge was game. up. Huge game. I do think that if he was 100% there mentally, and one or you know and however much percent whatever his new 100% is physically right now that he would have played something prevented him from doing that this week you got to hope that that gets better because the last time that he played for a little while and then the heel started hurting him again he was gone for the next however many months that was in august the last time that it happened and then it was 3 weeks ago that he came back so you got to hope that that it's not something like that again. Yeah, and I don't think you really saw much of an impact from him in Seattle. You really you didn't see anything at all. So, you know, he's been on the field for two games. He made an impact in that first that first half against the Chargers, really did it against Seattle and then he sat. So, the Chiefs can't do this whole thing again next year. That can't happen. So, something is going to change. Either Eric Berry you know, it's it's he's got to be able to play for more games, um, or he needs to retire, or you know, there it cannot go the exact same way that it did this year. It just it can't happen. At KC, John KC, no good has come from this win. Win big like we did, and it sets lofty expectations again. Win close, and we're all still worried about the D. I know Mahomes makes this year different. But this is when it's hardest to shake the Chiefs' legacy. Why should I get my hopes up? Well, this weekend, I spent a lot of time talking with with Chiefs fans that are very doom and gloom about the situation that this Chiefs team is in. They know the defense is bad. and We've just kind of become very accustomed, especially lately, to the defense holding up their end of the deal being able to show up and reasonably expect that they were going to perform at a decently high level. And that was what was keeping the Chiefs in games this year. And because it's been such a quick switch this year with the offense and the defense just completely flip-flopping here, so many people are just already writing off this postseason as it's doom and gloom. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week that, you know, we were a little bit down on it because of the way that they've performed lately. And I said that the offense was going to need to play perfect in order to be able to go forward and win games and make, you know, do damage in the playoffs. I still believe that that's true because these teams are so, so good. But I don't know that, that you can really look at this game and say, okay, well, the defense is fixed now. I don't really see anybody saying that. So I don't know that it's like a a lose-lose situation that they won. The defense is still bad, but they play with that kind of energy. They execute at that level. Even against a bad team, they execute at that level. That might be worth a stop a game. And the Chiefs have lost by a total of 14 points this season to four playoff teams. That is ridiculous now to think that they're going to walk into the playoffs and just be completely overmatched and that they are set up for heartbreak already. Patrick Mahomes changes this team. Patrick Mahomes makes us have you know have a chance at every single game that this team is in. So trying to write it off and say oh same old cheese. Oh, I'm expecting the playoff heartbreak. Here it comes again. We've got Patrick Mahomes. We've got the league MVP. We've got the best player in the league at the most important position in the league for once. He can keep us in every game. He can win every game. So that's why you should get your hopes up. He he changes everything. And it's not the same as it has been for the past 30 years of trying and floundering to win a playoff game. This is legit this team can do things even with the bad defense. And I'm going to kind of approach it a little bit differently, which is a different place to even come at it for me because I'm usually not one to think about it this way. But look at the long game rather than just the short game. Like think back to this past offseason. What was your expectations for the Chiefs? I think most people thought they'd make the playoffs or they'd be on the fringe of making the playoffs. It'd be some ups, some downs. 
nobody thought they'd be this good. And even if people got the record right, like just nobody anticipated one of the best offenses in the history of the NFL. Nobody anticipated Patrick Mahomes being the MVP of the league quite easily. This team has outperformed the expectations as a team, not like the individual pieces or parts, but as a team, they're better than I think fans and especially the coaches or GM thought they were going to be. I think most people knew or thought going into this year, it was going to be kind of a two-year rebuild, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They went and got offensive pieces to help Pat progress along to make the offense good. And then next year, they're going to finish rounding out the defense. So no matter what happens this year, try to enjoy the playoffs. As Craig said, they have Patrick Mahomes. He's the best player in the league this year. He was, Aaron Donald might be the best player. Patrick Mahomes is the most important player in the NFL this year. He matters the most of the Chiefs. He gives them a chance to win every single game, just like Craig said. They can go in these playoffs without being the best team because they're not the best team in the NFL. They might be the most dangerous. They're not the best. They can go beat anybody in any given week with this offense, especially if Sammy Watkins comes back healthy, especially if they get LDT back healthy. Damian Williams keeps running hard. And they have no more injuries. They can beat anybody any week. So, yeah, there's still a chance this year that they could come out and kind of be, and it's weird to say as the one seed, but be a little bit of that surprise Super Bowl contender, maybe even win it, like the Eagles last year, something along those lines. But even if they lose, say, the divisional round or in the conference championship, Here's the thing. Next year, I think, is their true target to actually win the Super Bowl. And that still looks good. They're not going to be losing any massive pieces this offseason. They should only be able to add for next year. The team's only going to trend up from here. So no matter what happens this year, yeah, it's going to suck when it happens. But just kind of take a step back whenever they lose, if they lose, and look at the team as a whole and where it's going as they move forward. The team's going to be better next year. If you make this team that we have right now a little bit better... Where does the ceiling end then? That's what you have to think about going forward because I believe that's what Veach and Andy Reid have in mind when they went into the season. They did not have Super Bowl or bust on their mind. I think fans just transitioned to that because the team started off so hot, because expectations are so high based on how Mahomes and the offense have looked. But that wasn't the expectations going into the season. And yeah, they can change throughout the season, but that doesn't mean the plan has. So the plan is still to be better going forward than they are this year. You should absolutely get your hopes up and and believe that this team has a chance. And I know it's it's in everybody's, you know, in the back of everyone's head that this team, this the Chiefs are 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 going to do Chiefs things. They haven't won a playoff game at home in forever. I think Joe Montana was the last person to do that. And um it, it it's 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 not unfair to feel like that because of all the heartbreak, but it is different. You you have a chance. Every you, you actually have a chance. The reason that all these games that the Chiefs have been in have been so close is because you have a actual franchise quarterback. The first time in some of us some of our lives, you have the MVP. The MVP. You have the MVP behind, under center. And if the defense plays with that kind of energy and the defense executes at the level they did against Oakland, that just might be enough, especially if Sammy Watkins and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif are back. That could really put this team kind of close to what they were doing earlier in the season. And Andy might, you know, Andy, I think Andy had a great game plan in that first half against the Titans heading into the playoffs last, last year. And then Travis Kelsey you know, got hurt, got that cheap concussion, and then things just kind of fell off off after that. And, and Alex didn't make a few plays. Well, guess what? Alex, can, or Patrick Mahomes can make those plays. Patrick Mahomes has been bailing people out all season. Look at all the third down and longs that they've executed. Those are going to be huge here uh, in January. They're going to be huge. And and if, if Sam Watkins comes back, and, and if LDT come back, look out. If Eric Berry plays hard and, and is able to get up for a couple of these games, it, it, it could it could flip it could the the Chiefs could be playing their best football here in January very easily. I really believe that. Uh, that's gonna do it for this week's show. We'll be back next week prepping for whoever we're playing and uh, and we'll we'll do a lot more there. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later.
My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Keep telling you we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, bears in video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts, or coaches making terrible decisions, or coaches saying really stupid things, or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.